Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 184 for the 24th of ER No Leap Year. So I want you guys to take a moment and think about your vitality. Think about that life force that flows throughout your entire body. That thing that we generally call the soul, or at least a certain aspect of the soul. Where is it? Can you pinpoint it? Can you point to one part of you where it is more present than any other or where it is found? So not really, right? If you really think about it, your vitality is literally the life force that infuses your the entirety of your being. It's equally present in your pinky toe as it is in your eye as it is in your stomach, as it is in your hand, or any other part of your body that you wanted to think about. Nevertheless, what we're going to be talking about today is how, on the one hand, while our vitality is equally infused inside of our entire being, there is one place in which we can somehow perhaps say that this vitality is a little bit more present, quote unquote, than in any other place. So can you think about where that might be? So what might come to mind for you initially is the heart. You might think that that's where your vitality is really, really dwells because the heart is what's keeping us alive, what's pumping blood throughout our body. So there may be some truth to that, but I'm actually not thinking of the heart. I'm actually thinking about the brain. And the reason why the brain is really where we can say that the seat of our vitality of our soul really dwells and is present in a way that it is not really in any other place is because our whole entire life's experience, our perception of this vitality, how we experience the channel through which we take in all of our lives, all of our life and everything that happens to us and everything that we do is through the brain. The brain is really that hub. It's literally the nerve center of the entire body. This is really the premise by which artificial intelligence works, right? So it's like if if you ever have experienced any kind of artificial intelligence kind of game or uh, experience of any kind of thing. So when people put on that headset, they're they're putting it in the brain. Uh, they're not putting it around their feet. They're not, you know, like let's say if you wanted to simulate the uh, the feeling of running, even though running is something that happens with your legs, interestingly enough, you don't like insert electrodes into your legs and then like give your legs the feeling that you're running. You would actually do something with the brain. You would actually put on some kind of headset that would uh, stimulate your visual center, like stimulate your eyes uh, or maybe even electrodes, like in some 
this is going even beyond artificial intelligence, but in different psychological studies where, where people's electrodes are stimulated. So this really is what we focus on. We focus on really um, using that brain. We, we recognize the idea that our entire life's experience is through the brain. So while it's true that our entire vitality, aka our soul, is really found equally throughout our entire being, it is also true that we can say that somehow within our brain, our soul is a little bit more present, or at least we can say that that is where, where the dwelling place of the soul lies. So why am I bringing this up and what is this related to? Is this is related to something which we had actually learned about earlier in Tanya, and I, I will bring that up soon, but it's also a good way for us to understand the concept that while on the one hand, we say that God is everywhere and in everything, and that's really a basic premise of our understanding of God according to Judaism. But on the other hand, we also know that there's a very core principle in Judaism that there we have something called a Beis HaMegdash. We have a Temple Mount. We have There's something called the Holy of Holies. And there's Jerusalem. There's Israel. Like, space here in this physical world does play a very prominent role. We say things like the the air in the land of Israel makes people smart. Uh, we say that God is like more present in a way in the land of Israel and especially so in the temple in Jerusalem and especially within the Holy of Holies, within the temple of Jerusalem. So this might seem at first like kind of like a contradiction or a paradox and it might also, it points to some deeper philosophical kind of questions like, if God is really everywhere and in everything, then why do we even need to keep Torah at all? Why do we have to do mitzvahs? And so the way that we're going to come to understand this by looking at today's text is that this really does parallel the process by which the soul is uh, is inside of our bodies, the, vit the vitality of ourselves, how we experience this vitality. That similarly to the way that we say that the, our entire vitality, our entire soul is infused inside of our entire body. On the other hand, we can also at the same time recognize the fact that within our brain, that is the seat of the soul. That is the dwelling place of the soul. And so similarly for God, yes, the entire world is filled with God. There is no place devoid of God. God is literally the vitality of the entire world. He is what is keeping the world in its existence. Nevertheless, there's a brain, so to speak, of the world as well. And there's a place through which that vitality all is channeled through. And that place, as we'll learn, is the Holy of Holies. So this is the topic of today. This is what we're going to be learning about is this this interplay between these different levels of God, so to speak, and as it relates to the different levels of our soul in terms of the manifestation of it. And as we'll see, is that we can really think about this in, in terms of three levels. So in terms of the soul, what this would mean is that there is the essence of the soul, which is really devoid of any space at all. It's just, it just is in its essential way. Then there is the soul as it is manifest within the brain, which is what we can call the seat of the soul or the home of the soul. And then there's the soul as it spreads out into all of the different organs of the body and how it's manifest there. And similarly, we'll see with God, it's the same thing that we talk about God and we talk about God's indwelling in the world. And in essence, God does not have a space. There is no space that is that we can say that that is where God is. God is, it's beyond even everywhere. There is, God's beyond space and time, right? 
But then we can also say that, okay, but now in creating the world, in making this creation, then God does also, he made, so to speak, a kind of brain, a kind of nerve center for reality, for our earth. And that is the Holy of Holies. And then there's the manifestation of that. And there's the way that this vitality becomes revealed throughout the entire world. So let's get into the text now. And it's a little bit of a longer one today because it is a Wednesday. If you remember in leap year of this year, then Wednesday portions are a little bit longer because originally when the Tanya was divided up by the Fredericker Rebbe, by the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, he wanted people to learn a little bit of extra Tanya on Shabbos. And uh, and the, this portion, these Wednesday portions of this year were back then fell out on Shabbos. So uh, yeah, so for today, so we are actually beginning a new chapter. It's chapter 51 of Likutei Amarim. And we are nearing the end of Likutei Amarim, believe it or not. So we have just a a few Mm -hmm. chapters left. There's 53 chapters in Likutei Amarim. And then we'll move on to another section of the Tanya. So for now, so here we go. So this is chapter, the beginning of chapter 51 of Likutei Amarim. So the chapter begins by saying that we're going to now explain in further detail that which we learned about what the Yunuka said. So and so this is alluding to something that w- which was brought up in chapter 35. So you can go back and listen to that episode if you want the full context. But just in brief, in chapter 35, we talked about how this the Yunuka, which is, who is a commentary, talked about this idea of how when we say uh, that a, a wise person, his eyes are in his head, what that's really alluding to is the fact that a wise person wants to have the shekhinah rust inside of uh, above their head. And the way that they do that is through good deeds, through, through mitzvahs, because the good deeds, what that does is it gives the oil to, it provides the oil for the light of the shekhinah to dwell upon the person's head. So the alternative here now in this chapter is going to say that now first we have to explain a little bit in order to understand this concept a little bit more about what do we mean by this idea of the, of the resting of the Shekhinah in the Holy of Holies. So there's this idea that is taught that uh, that the Shekhinah dwelt in the Holy of Holies, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash. So what do we mean by this? And then the altar goes on and he says, so too, like the whole idea of like having the Shekhinah dwell in a certain place or rest in a certain place, what do we mean by this? Because like, is it not the case that the whole world is filled with the glory of God and there's no place devoid of him. Like we've learned this over and over in Tanya. It's a recurring theme that every, that God is everywhere. There's no place devoid of him. Everything is dependent upon God for its existence. So what do we mean when we like pick a particular place, like the Kodesh Kedoshim, for example, and we say that here is where the Shekhinah rests. So the Shekhinah doesn't rest in other places. Like what, what are we talking about? You know? So the idea is, uh, and here the altar of cites a, uh, cites a verse from Eov, from chapter 19, verse 26 in Eov, where it says, And from my flesh, I see God. So what does this mean? This is a this is a segue to how the altar is going to now get into the analogy of the soul of man. And he's going to teach us that in order to understand this idea of the dwelling of the Shekhinah and how the Shekhinah dwells here and there and where, how it could dwell or not dwell, we can learn this through looking at the soul of man and looking at how the soul inhabits the body of a man. So the altar says that 
just like we look at the soul of a man as the soul of a person that fills the entire 248 organs of the body from head to toe so right we mentioned this in the introduction before nevertheless we know that the main stay of this resting and the dwelling is in the mind and from this brain it spreads out into all of the other organs so there's something specific about the brain something about the mind that in a way we can say that the soul kind of dwells there in a in a more of a way in a bigger way than it does in all of the other organs of the body so because we know that the brain actually is where it, it's where the vitality spreads forth into into the rest of the body and every single organ receives from it in a very particular way like in a way that is suitable to, to it according to its composition and to according to its nature like you know, for example, Baltrava says the eye to see, so the eye receives very specific vitality so that it can we can see through our eyes, the ear to hear, so the ears get vitality so that we can hear, this the mouth to speak, the feet to walk, so all different parts of the body receive their very specific types of vitality. And we can actually sense this, like in actuality, says the Altrava, that when we see that we, we think about the mind, right? And we and the the our brain feels everything. It feels all the going-ons and all the happenings of the 248 48 organs and everything that happens to them. So this is, again, what we mentioned in the introduction, is that where does perception happen? So for example, seeing. So we tend to think of the fact that we see with our eyes. And while this is true on some level, truly the true perception, the true seeing actually happens in our mind, in our brain. It's not it's not the eye that's seeing. It's the brain that interprets it, interprets the stimuli that the eye is taking is taking in. But now the ultra wants to clar clarify something here. So he wants to make sure that we understand that the, these differences in terms of how these different organs receive different powers and different different vital energies and different vitality that come from the neshama it's not coming this the difference is in these different soul powers is not coming from the neshama itself from the soul in terms of its essential being meaning to say that it's not that like that the soul is made up of 248 different parts that then become vested within 248 places that correspond just to exactly like that to the parallel the body parallel the organs of the body because if we were to say that that it's like that the soul is made up of 248 parts that correspond in this direct way to the different organs of the body this would be like as if we were giving like a like a, a description a physical description to the soul which isn't true and it would be like we'd be ascribing a certain structure and a certain corporeality to the soul that would make it like the body god forbid but that's actually not true at all because the truth is that the soul is really one essential essence one spiritual essence which is simple and which is devoid of any kind of physical image or any kind of limitation or any kind of dimensions or anything like that any any corporeality at all in terms of when we're talking about its essence and and what it really is and so thus we can't say about its essence when we're talking about the essence of the soul we can't say that it's like found more in the in the mind in the brain in the head than in the feet because the actual essence of the soul is like it's not bound by any of these limitations and it's in every single part of the body equally so rather what is happening what's going on 
is that we find that there are actually 613 different types of soul powers and different types of vital forces which are found within the soul itself. And then these 613 soul powers come out into revelation in order to give vitality to the 248 organs and the 365 sinews that are in the body by way of them being vested, these, these different organs and sinews being vested in the vital soul, which also has 248 and 365 different powers and vital, and vi vital forces. So let's just break that down a little bit. So basically what the altar is saying is that he's saying that we shouldn't mistakenly think that the soul is like we can break it up into a whole bunch of different parts and it's like okay here's like the 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 seeing part of the soul here's the hearing part of the soul here's the walking part of the soul and all of that stuff because that's too corporeal that's that's too physical and that's not what happens that's not what's going on in the soul the soul itself is actually just one unified essence and it's it's much more simplified than that it's devoid of these kind of descriptive definitions of like what we think of when we think of an eye when we think of a foot when we think of those kind of things however what is going on in terms of the soul is the soul does have these different powers and within it and these powers are actually made up of 613 different powers and different types of vitality which come out from the concealment of the soul and become manifest in the body in order to keep the body alive and so now these 613 like soul powers so they flow into the body and about this flow that is flowing into the body the sages taught that the main dwelling place and the resting of this flow of this energy moving down and revelation is in the brain which is in the head so this is where we see that there is something special about the brain so it's not that the soul is more in the brain than in any other part of the body it's just that the flow of revelation is greater than there and that's why since there's a greater flow in that area in the brain then the brain like that area of the body is the first one to receive this power and this uh, and this vitality that it needs in order to be fulfilled and in order to have the right composition and so what is what it how does this manifest in the brain this is the chokhmah bina and das of a person mm -hmm. the wisdom understanding and knowledge the three intellectual attributes of the brain as well as the power of thought and everything that is involved with intellect with the brain so it's kind of like this area of the mind is in a sense more powerful than any other part of the body not because the soul is there more than it is in other places but it's revealed more it's like, like the the power of vitality is more revealed and not only that but even when we talk about the actual hamshacha the the drawing down of this life force into all of the other organs then this this stream of vitality that goes to all the other organs is still included within the brain so it's like we were saying that it's like yes we have a vital force that's in our hands in our feet in our mouth in everything every single part of us but even that vital force that we have within our hands for example that too is found within the brain so there's like something about the brain that's really essential in terms of this flow of energy and vitality because this is the main place and this is the root of this this flow so meaning to say that when your hand receives its vitality, where is this vitality coming from? It's coming from the mind, right? We know that everything, every movement we make or every sense that we sense, it's all coming from the mind. Even if the way it's manifest on the outside is in our limbs, in the external parts of the body that aren't the brain itself. And uh, 
And the way that this happens is in a way of a revelation of the light and the vitality of the entirety of the soul. So that's basically what's happening when the when the brain radiates a flow to all of the different organs and each one receives the one that it corresponds to it like is appropriate to it like meaning the hands receive the type of flow that is needed in for order for us to pick things up in order for us to write and things like that the eyes get uh get the power of sight the ears get the power of hearing all of that stuff it all goes through the brain the brain is that like literally the nerve center through which all of this vitality passes through and so all the powers go through the the brain because this is, why is it the brain? What's so special with the brain? This is the Mishkan. This is the dwelling place of the Neshama in a way that is revealed. Because it is there that it's revealed the entirety of its vitality, which then flows, which from there it flows out. So what happens is, is that we have this soul and the soul is dwelling in the brain. And what do we mean by that? It's that it's, it's more revealed within the brain than anywhere else. And that's where it's like the seat, the hub of its vitality is in there. And then the vitality flows out in this way through the brain to all the other organs of the body. And the analogy that the Altshaba uses here, he uses another analogy to help us understand this, which is again, another analogy that comes up in Chassidus a lot, which is the analogy of the sun. So like, let's say, says the Altshaba, let's say that you were in a room and that room had a window. And outside of that window, you're looking outside and there's, there's sunlight coming in through that window. And interestingly enough, it's like you look outside the window and it's, there's actually, it's actually surrounded by another room. And in that other room, there is another window and the sunlight is coming in through that room. And then that room is also surrounded by another room. And similarly, there's sunlight coming in through that room. So if you kind of picture this like flow of sunlight, so long as each one of those rooms had a window within it, then each one of those rooms is receiving the same sunlight and it's receiving the light of the sun from the outside and it's coming all the way down and it's manifest in that innermost room. Even though the source of it is obviously that sun outside and it goes through all those different channels until it comes to that innermost room. So we can kind of think about that in the sense of the soul and we can think about it in the sense that like, yes, the soul is found everywhere. Just like the, uh, just like the sunlight, it's the same sunlight, whether you're in the first room, the second room, it's the same sunlight. However, it first manifests within the brain when we're talking about the soul and the brain is like the hub through which all of the other channels flow through. So it's sort of like, again, with the sunlight, it would be sort of like that first room that the sunlight were to enter into. That is the room through which all the other rooms are going to receive their light. So that's how it works with us in, in our bodies and with our souls, that we, the, the soul is found everywhere within the body, but in a more manifest and revealed way in terms of the soul powers, it comes first in the brain. And then that vitality that's in the brain pours through and goes into all the other organs and the organs receive the vitality from the brain. The brain's kind of like the, the head honcho, so to speak. And then the ultra finishes here. He concludes with a bracket where he says, even the heart. So we, again, we began in the introduction. We said that maybe the heart is the most vital part of the body. And we said, no, the heart also receives from the brain. And this is how we can know that actually by nature, the brain actually rules over the heart as we explained above. So this is an interesting point to leave off with. 
which is just, again, just kind of like this reminder to us that when people talk about human nature and, you know, we are slaves to our heart and to our passions and everything, this is a really good reminder to us that that's not the case. And that in fact, on a true deep level, the true vitality is in the brain. And truly we are over and above all else. Yes, we're physical creatures. Yes, we're emotional creatures. Yes, we are creatures of passion and bodily needs and things like that. But really, truly, if we wanna go back to where are we getting our vitality from, it starts in the brain. And so ultimately we are more cerebral creatures by nature. And so this is something interesting to think about just in a more psychological way, I guess. And then also, again, we can see this as really an analogy. And this is where the altar was getting to with all of this of seeing God and understanding how God's vitality is manifest here in the world. Because once again, yes, God is everywhere in the world. We, of course, there's no place devoid of God. Nevertheless, we do have holy places. We do have certain places that we designate and that we say God is dwelling in those places like more so than in other places, so to speak. How could that be? Because we can understand it by understanding the brain. So it's sort of like those places which are like the dwelling, the places that God dwells in, like the Kodesh Kedoshim, the Holy of Holies, for example, that's where the entire vitality of the entire world comes from. It gets channeled through that place. So it's a little bit esoteric, all of this. I, I do understand that, but hopefully this was somewhat clear and we will continue along these lines tomorrow and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.